0: Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Thank you, Lord. Well, this past Sunday, God used Pastor Caleb in a, in a mighty way. Yeah, let's give him a hand. Thank you, Lord. What a word, man. What a word. He was preaching about Absalom. And those of you who, are, who know a little bit of Hebrew, you know that that word uh, Ab, Absalom, or Ab is like Ab, a father, right? So his name and, and his, the other half of his name is Salom or Shalom, which is peace, right? His name means father of peace, Absalom. Somewhere down the line, mom and dad took that little baby and had high hopes for him. Just like you did for your chick kids. Everyone, we dedicate him to the Lord. I'm sure that happened. And they said, let's call this little guy the Father of Peace. Isn't it tragically ironic that he ended up being like one of the biggest troublemakers of all time? <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. <laughs> this prince ended up being not only a disgrace to himself, but his mother his father, his city, his nation, and really to the whole world. And frankly, it's kind of embarrassing when you read the Bible and have to come across a guy like this, but the Bible doesn't pull any punches. It tells you just the way it is, just the problems that we face, just what people are like. And, you know, after he killed his brother, his, half, his half-brother, for raping his full sister. You thought you had family dysfunction, right? This place, these guys were a mess. I think God has that in there for a reason to help us see that our families aren't always perfect, are they? But God can work through the midst of it all and work in our lives. So um, instead of Having him brought to justice the way his dad should have actually he should have been put to death according to the law of Moses for taking another man's life but David was a little soft on his kids hey you better watch out you that are softies on your kids and let them get by with stuff that you know they shouldn't because that may come back to bite you someday like it did to David with Absalom in fact, Absalom, instead of saying, thank you, Dad, for, for not killing me, I shouldn't have killed my brother, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Instead, what this kid did, he comes back home after being banished, and he starts an uprising to overthrow his dad. And so when you see King David, he's walking out of the city that he built barefoot the scripture says with sackcloth on his head because this young man the father of peace was tearing it all up and the priests wanted to go with him and bring the ark but David in his concern for God and the city of God and the worship of God he said I don't want that ark to follow me around running like I am right now, you all go back. Keep the ark there with you. And he began to weep. And the people began to weep. And so here's our king in his old age, brother. When they should have been taking care of him, should have been honoring him, he's weeping and leaving town in the middle of the night because his son tried to kill him. Let's pray right now, Lord God of heaven. You're here right now. You're going to open our hearts. You're going to open our minds to what's going on in our lives. As we enter into this story, Lord, let it not just be a story. Let us be there in the spirit. In Jesus' name, let us feel the pain that this father felt let us take the warning that's given by this son in the name of jesus in fact y'all david's experience was so traumatic that night as he was in the darkness and walking away from jerusalem with just a few people while other people were making fun of him he wrote a psalm the third psalm in fact and in this third psalm it was so pensive to him he put three Selahs in there. And speaking of Selah, Mama Selah is here right now. Well, let's give a hand to Haley. <laughs> it's good to see you, sis. And CJ, he isn't getting much sleep lately, but we're glad he's here too. <laughs> Praise God. So uh, this, I guess, um, is where you got her name from. And her name in the Hebrew language, Selah, means pause. It's a musical notation. You just have a little interlude. So let, you know, maybe the the guitar was jamming out on a solo right there or something, but no, it was just a pause. So here's the words to the song Psalm three Lord, how they have increased to trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. Did anybody say that about you? Did you ever feel that way? We'll pause right here. Think about it. You're not the only one. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and He heard me from His holy hill, Selah. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. Can you imagine going through that and sleeping through the night? I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, and save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Blessing is upon your people. Selah. Wow. David knew in the midst of all of that trouble that his kid had caused, that God was still on the throne. He's still in control. He's not nervous, and he's not worried. He's the king, and this is his kingdom. So in thinking about this shameful kid's life, I, I just feel like Dr. Phil. I really do. I just want to sit down and tell them stuff. How many of you know who Dr. Phil is? You know, that famous TV psychologist? He says things to people that I want to say. (laughs) Well, here's my chance. So the title of my message is going to be, Woulda, Coulda, Shouldas for a Wannabe King. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to put on the Dr. Dr. Phil talk. My first talk with Absalom would go something like this. If you're really inspired to be a king of the Hebrews, young man, lewd dude, you woulda, coulda, shoulda read the scriptures that your God gave to the Hebrew people. So number one, buddy, is read and heed the word of God if you want to be king. Deuteronomy 17. Here's what you'd read if you would would have read it. When you come to the land, Moses said, which the Lord your God is giving you, and possess it and dwell it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren shall you set as king over you. Also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom... That Listen to this one. He shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priest, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Listen to me, young man. You think you want to be king? Where's your copy of the book of the law? If you're planning to be king, you should know the word. You should be reading it every day, pal. What's wrong with you? You've already broken almost every one of the commandments. And now you're here on my TV show. <laughs> and we're paying you a stipend to be here and be an idiot. And <laughs> you read it, you would have learned from the life of Joseph that you should forgive your brothers who do you wrong, not kill them. And... Not to mention that you don't choose to be king. God chooses the king. So I want to ask you, buddy, what's with the pillar and the monument you built for yourself? Right out here outside the city gate in the Valley of the Kings. You're such a cocky young man, I can't believe That you would try a stunt like this before you're a king, you build a monument by yourself, to yourself, and place your grave in the king's cemetery. 2 Samuel 18, 18. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up a pillar for himself, which is in the king's valley. He called the pillar after his own name, and to this day it is called Absalom's Monument. By the way, everybody, did you know that there is still in this very spot a pillar right now? If you're a tourist in Israel, which we're going there in May, thanks to our kids who are sending us. Oh, Hallelujah. We're going to go visit this spot. But here it is. Can you show? Oh, there it is. Right there. It was 22 meters high. This is a replica built about a 1,000 years after Absalom built his, but it's still standing today. And the archaeologists had to uncover it in 1924 because it was covered with a bunch of small stones. And you go, what? It's because pilgrims would come, not even Christians and Jews, but pilgrims would come and throw stones at Absalom's tomb because they hated what he did to his dad. And not only that, the residents of Jerusalem had all the kids come out and had them throw stones on so they would learn to not be disrespectful and disobedient to their mom and dad. Honor your mother and father that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And they wanted their kids to get that and understand. By the way, have you told your kids that lately? You better listen to Mama and Papa if you want to live long. <laughs> it's in the Word, folks. Praise God. Oh, do you still love me? Second Samuel 18.23. This is fast-forwarding after... Absalom's awful, awful rebellion and betrayal, his dad, David, mourned his beloved son when he heard that he died, even after he was putting him through all this mess. The king was deeply moved, went up to the chamber over the gate, and wept. And as he went, he said thus, Oh, my son! Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died in your place. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. He's crying like some of us have cried because our kids did not live up to their potential. They didn't ever get to that place where they woulda, coulda, shoulda loved the Lord and served the Lord. And instead, they ruined their life. And part of the reason David wept, I'm sure, was because he knew that he was a bad example. Absalom knew he was a murderer. And he had sex illegally. And so he He was struggling with, how do I punish this kid because I'm guilty myself? And, man, I set a bad example. Did any of you ever feel bad about not setting a good example for your children? I have. Wow. Do you have issues with a child or grandchild who is out of control, acting shameful, being horrible like Absalom, and you're not comforting, uh, you're not correcting them you're comforting them instead and trying to make them feel like they're okay (laughs) how about you grandma and grandpa i'm one of them too you know i'm actually a great granddad now boy those those little grandkids get right next to you but i'm gonna tell you what if they do wrong they're not gonna get by with me (laughs) oh yeah some of you are smiling you know you're not you know what that rascal did, Absalom, after he he killed his brother? He runs off to Grandpa on his mother's side, the king of Geshur, right? And Grandpa welcomes him in and lets him stay there for three years. Oh, pal, you know, I don't blame you, man. Oh, man, I feel sorry for you. Yeah, You're in that weird kingdom, you know, come live with me. Whatever. <laughs> Instead of telling them, look, buddy, you killed your brother. I know he shouldn't have raped your sister, but you could have taken him to court, and they'd have killed him anyway, so you didn't have to do it. What's wrong with you? Sometimes those grandkids need a good straight talk, right? Do you feel ashamed and guilty? Because perhaps the way that your kids and grandkids are acting are because of you? If so, I understand. I understand. I've been there. Or are you suffering from the sins of your fathers and grandfathers because the iniquity of them is being visited upon you? It's a, it can be a mess, right? All of this family stuff. That, that's why God's got it in there. But guess what? It doesn't matter if they sin against you or you sin against them. The whole problem is sin, period. Period. It came upon all of us because of one man's disobedience in the Garden of Eden. Every one of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You can try and blame it on someone else if you want, grandma, grandpa, great-grandpa, but it's you, my friend, that needs to repent just like me. We are responsible for our own actions and reactions. We can blame others and our parents and everybody else. But you better not coddle those little kids because they're sinners just like you. (laughs) Oh, as cute as they are. (laughs) Hmm. Okay, I got to be Dr. Phil again. Okay, Absalom, here's another thing. If you really want to be king, you woulda, shoulda, coulda not allowed your evil dad to... Give you an excuse to do the same thing. So, my point to you, young man, is iniquity will visit you, but it doesn't have to stay. Okay, watch this. I'm going to read you something here, Abby. Boy, you pay close attention to God's wording here, Exodus 20. Verse 3 You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Let's say it together. Visiting the iniquity, what's iniquity? Moral evil, of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. All right, so I'm praying about all this, and I'm saying, Lord, Pastor Caleb just preached about this. Oh, my God. David and Solomon, it was the, the, the generational curse. I'm, I'm there. I'm going, yeah, that's what it is. It's generational curses. That's what I'm going to preach on on Wednesday night. And, if, and the, all of a sudden, the voice of the Lord came to me, and he goes, visiting. And I go, what? He goes, visiting. I go, huh? Visiting. And so I look at it again, and I go, oh, you're right. (laughs) It says visiting, the iniquity. It doesn't say cursing. It says visiting. And I go, okay. Well, what about the curses in Deuteronomy 28? And he goes, that was for individual people. If they obeyed, they'd be blessed. And if they disobeyed, they'd be cursed. And yeah, that goes for everybody in every generation. But I feel like the Lord began to explain to me, I don't want people saying it's my grandpa's fault that I'm the way I am. It's my grandma's fault that I'm an adulterer because she was. Oh, I can't help myself. It's just, oh. It's just too much because I've inherited this. No, Iniquity just was visiting you, and you invited it to stay. Come on, you have a visitor in your house sometimes, it gets pretty late. you got to turn out the light and say goodnight. I'm going to bed. See you you later. Don't let them put up their feet and spend the night and stay for a couple of weeks. Goodbye. Good night. You're not welcome here, Mr. Iniquity. You're just visiting. I'm not receiving it. I'm standing up and saying no to you, evil. I'm not going to get drunk. I'm not going to shack up. I'm not going to be homosexual. I'm not going to do any of this stuff. I don't care what granddad did or grandma or great grandpa or their dad either. Come on, let's praise him right now. woo Oh, my God. 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 And if you read Deuteronomy 28, you're going, wow, all these blessings are going to overtake me if I obey. Woo! And all of these are going to, uh uh-oh, the reverse is going to happen to me if I disobey. It's pretty scary when you read that. Anybody read that lately? But how many of you read Deuteronomy 30? Me neither. I mean, not not right after reading those two. I said, man, I got the generational curses right here, even though it didn't say quite that. But I, here they are. This is where you get cursed for disobedience individually. Okay. But watch what God says in Deuteronomy 30. Now it shall come to pass, when all these things come upon you, the blessings and the curse which I set before you, and you call them to mind, among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you, and you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice, according all I command you, you and your children, with all your heart and all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity. And have compassion on you and gather you again from all nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any of you are driven out to the farthest part under heaven, from there the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed. And you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And the Lord will circumcise your heart and your mind and of your descendants to love you, Lord your God, with all your heart and all your soul that you may Live. He'll make you abound in all the work of your hands, in the fruit of your body, in your livestock, in your business, in your school, in everywhere you go, you're going to be blessed. If you repent, if you say, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, I repent, then God's going to forgive all those curses. So even if you do believe in generational curses, well, guess what? God, the merciful, kind, loving Savior that he is, abounding in mercy and loving kindness, says even if you've gone to the farthest extent, I love you. I'm here. I forgive you. I'm here to forgive you. Let's love him. Let's thank him, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord. I'm going to go to 1 John 1, 8 and 9. You recognize this now, and I think it probably will mean a lot more. John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, that means to acknowledge them. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If God gave all those promises of mercy and forgiveness in the Old Testament, how much more, Eli, for you and I today, with the blood of Jesus, with the grace of God, with the power of the Holy Spirit, can we be forgiven if we repent and confess and say, It's not anybody else, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me. It's me. It's me, O Lord. Woo! Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. And so I'm going to wind it up here and be Dr. Phil just one <laughs> indulge me indulge me one last little time, okay? Absalom If you were to tell us one important thing that we could gain from all your mistakes, what would it be (laughs) go ahead (laughs) we're paying you good money to be on this show (laughs) okay so Absalom it's what live your life without regrets turn and live well that's really good advice Because we can change our lives, brothers and sisters. We can change our lives. We can rise up and say, enough with the excuses. Enough with blaming my forefathers. Enough with justifying myself. I repent. I am wrong. You are right. I have sinned. And I'm sorry, Lord, and I hate sin, (laughs) and I'm not going to do it again. (laughs) Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. The Lord is here. He's talking to you right now. He's asking you to turn and live. Oh, yes, Lord. Many years after this situation, Ezekiel was speaking to the children of Israel who actually it was the children of Judah who were taken captive into Babylon because they disobeyed the Lord over and over and over and over and over and over again. He was a captive along with the other captives by the river Shebar in Babylon living with the refugees in the refugee camp. And here's what they were saying in Ezekiel 18. The word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel says, saying, what do you mean when you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel saying, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. What do you mean? God's upset with them because... They're blaming their parents for their sins. Oh, we're here at the river in judgment and captivity because of our parents. And God's fed up with them talking like this. That's like saying, Bobby, you had a hot taco and Caleb's lips are burning. Right? It's the same thing. Quit blaming your parents. As I live, says the Lord, you shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all the souls are mine. The soul of the Father, like David, as well as the soul of the son, like Absalom is mine. The soul who sins shall die. You say, why should not the son not bear the guilt of the Father? Because the son has done what is lawful and right and is kept by statutes. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the Father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. But if a wicked man, like Absalom, turns from all his sins which he has committed and keeps all my statutes and does what is lawful and right, which he did not, but he could have, he would have, could have, should have done it, but he didn't. You can do it tonight if you will. And no matter what you've done wrong, God will forgive you. And you'll be righteous again. He shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the transgressions he has committed shall be remembered against him. Because of the righteousness which he has done, he shall live. Do I have any pleasure that the wicked shall die, says the Lord, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? You think God was happy that Absalom did what he did and ended up hanging by his head and thrust through with three darts and ten men killing him with swords? You think God was happy about that? He wanted him to live. He wanted him to be a good king. He probably would have been. But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity, does according to all the abominations of the wicked man, shall he live? All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered because of the unfaithfulness of which he is guilty and the sin which he has committed. And because of them he shall die. That's not fair, you say. Is not my way which is fair and your ways are not fair? When a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity and dies in it, it is because of the iniquity which he has done that he dies. Again, when a wicked man turns away from wickedness which he committed and does what is lawful and right, he preserves himself alive because he considers and turns away from all the transgressions which he committed. He shall surely live. He shall not die. Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions so that iniquity will not be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed and get yourself a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies. Therefore, turn and live.